going to branch out a little bit today. Don't really feel like talking about medicine. I figure, hey, it's my podcast. I can blab about whatever I want. You know, I woke up this morning. I was thinking about an episode that happened in my life about maybe 15 years ago. Came home from work one day and my wife, she was in the office talking with one of her friends on the phone and the doors were closed, but she talks really loud so you can pretty much hear her whenever she's on the phone if you're like a hundred yards away. Not that hard to hear. And she was telling her friend, listen, you gotta stay away from these cool guys, the jocks, you know, all the people that are popular. I got myself a nerd and they are the best. You have to get yourself a nerd. And she's not laughing. She's, she's giving serious advice here. This is something where she's telling her friend how it is. And for a moment, that was a little bit hard to take, but let's face it, she's right about nerdy guys, right? They have jobs, they aren't looking to go out to the bar, they would rather just like sit home and read. And so while I was taking it back at first, I was like, oh my god, I'm a nerd. I like science, I like comic books, I spend my time analyzing four-hour Grateful Dead shows from 30 years ago reading, watching 60 Minutes and Frontline documentaries and all these documentaries on Netflix and wherever. You know, a nurse one time asked me, she had read my novel and she liked it, and she said, how do I have all this time to do things like write and a lot of things I do outside of medicine? And there actually is an answer, which is basically what I don't do, meaning I don't watch much sports. I don't care about anything that would make it into People magazine. I don't go to church or synagogue. You know, I, sports, listen, I watch about half of each Denver Nuggets game or Broncos game when they're still in contention for the playoffs because I only watch half because I fast forward through a lot of it. I watch the Final Four and March Madness and parts of Olympia, but that's pretty much it. I don't watch a lot of sports. So I see all these people attending sports games all weekend, all week long, you know, they have their kids' sports games, and then they watch their favorite college teams on basketball, football. Each baseball game, I think, is like three and a half hours long. If you're watching a few of those a week, oh my gosh, you're spending a lot of time. And then Sports Center and all that stuff. So sports is really the modern opioid of the people. And I don't mean that in a negative way because I think people do need harmless outlets, and there's a lot worse than sports out there. But it's easy to see where some people's time goes and why they don't have time for other things. But anyway, going back to nerds. For a while, you know, nerds, that's where the world was at, right? Nerds were running the world. And now things are changing a little bit. The pendulum always swings and shifts. And so guys that would say things like prisoners of war are losers because they got caught in worse things, they can become present because character... It's not a priority anymore, right? And that's is what it is. Maybe policy is more important than character and people that believe that a certain policy is going to get done is more important than who's saying it. And probably even more so, on both sides of any aisle, people have started putting party before country, which really is a change in the United States of America. If you look at the history of the United States, even during recent administrations in my lifetime or just before my lifetime, people within a party, if they thought something was becoming 
anti-American or not good for the country, they spoke up. But those days, pretty much gone away, except for very few people who have a little bit of bravery left in them. And yeah, for this very small snapshot in time, you know, people are mad that Trump is this guy who people are not coming out on the own side of the aisle to criticize him. But man, I'll tell you what, left-wingers, they may even be worse. And I didn't vote for Trump, and I, I just can't be a Democrat or a left-winger right now because I see all these people, and I think it's good. Like, for instance, women are standing up to Trump's misogyny, and that, that is a good thing. But on the other hand, you take women and you interview them, or just men that are on the left wing, and you ask them to make a criticism of these countries and cultures and sometimes religions where women can't vote, they can't wear shorts, they can't have a job, they can't even visit a doctor without a male family member present, they get stoned to death because they were raped and therefore they were with another man and therefore they are to blame. And you hear the defense is like, well, that's just a small minority that are radicalized in those places, which is actually just not true. Meaning there are countries where the overwhelming majority of men are keeping these laws in place who are beyond misogyny. I mean, this is slavery. This is truly torture in a lot of cases, or in some cases, death penalties and killing for these ideas. And yes, sweeping everybody with too broad of a brush is the wrong thing to do. And in a lot of these countries, there are people that are against that. But to just pass it to the side and say, eh, it's just a small minority is actually not true. And here's what I'm getting at, because when it comes to nerds, one of the things we believe in is science. And I think one of the liberal values that helps science is that we have to believe in logic as well as evidence and data above religion and made up facts. I mean, they're not really facts. They're just things made up to help somebody's narrative because they feel a certain way about an issue. Because in reality, we're not going to solve things if we really can't look at data, at truly trying to do the best thing for all people, not just what's happening within your borders in what you're most fearful about. You know, remember uh, Thomas Jefferson when he said, question with boldness even the existence of God, because if there be one, he must approve of the homage of reason than that of blindfolded fear. What he was talking about is the importance of reason. And I'm not an anti-religion guy. I mean, while I'm not religious, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, you know, religion's responsible for all these wars and genocides and all that. Actually, I don't think that's true. Meaning, I think a lot of tribalism, misplaced nationalism, and sometimes religion is thrown into those things. But often it's a lack of reason or a lack of not wanting to take a tough stance that results in huge problems in this world for humanity and also the other species. So yeah, I'm a nerd. I believe in reason. I believe in science. I believe in watching the Twilight Zone. But, you know, here's the thing. When you believe in reason, sometimes you just got to take stands that are reasonable. You know, I'll probably go lose half my listeners with this. I know it has nothing to do with medicine and 
whatever. I just need to get some of this stuff out there. But let's take anything. Let's take like Black Lives Matter. Yes, Black Lives Matter. And then people come back and say, no, all lives matter, which is just not really true in my opinion, at least. I, I don't think that we'd be just fine without neo-Nazis, North Korean dictators, endangered animal hunters. You know, those, those people, no, they're not on my all lives matter list. But you know, if we're talking science, let's get real here. Probably the single biggest problem in the world is people don't stop breeding. There are too many darn people. I mean, unless we have like five billion Kelly Rippas, because we just can't, we're not gonna be able to sustain other types of people. I mean, seriously, does she eat anything other than celery? So unless we're willing to have people just eat celery, which I don't think we could survive on, you know, we're putting the world through a mass extinction for everything but humans. And it's incredibly sad because it is due to overpopulation, to overfishing, to cutting down rainforest. So let's get real. Some of it may be culture. Some of it may be that certain people use too many resources. I mean, let's face it. If you're an endangered animal, the day some dude from China thinks that your body part is going to give them an erection, your species is pretty much screwed. But that's not the biggest problem on the planet because we could focus in on the worst part of any culture. And, you know, China, let's face it, they gave us pretty darn good food, Confucius philosophy, they actually make our iPhones. And I'm one of those guys who even likes seeing those Chinese letters tattooed on one of those low IQ fit American girls who really has no idea what the symbol means on the nape of her neck, but it still looks pretty good. And you know, the funny thing actually about rare body parts from endangered animals is that oftentimes the reason they become aphrodisiacs is because of Western culture. I mean, like you take like the rhino horn. My, my kid just did a research paper on this and it was being used for cancer and other diseases in Vietnam and China. And it's just keratin. So it's like eating a bunch of hair or fingernails to try and cure cancer. But hey, humans are prone to ridiculous notions. You know, we have all the anti-vaxxers and everything in this country. So it's, it's everywhere. But here's the thing. The rhino horn wasn't even being used as an aphrodisiac until the Western press got it wrong and said it is being used in parts of Asia for that reason. So those articles from places like the US were read and then there became a market for rhino horns as an aphrodisiac in some of those places and it's totally nuts. And yeah, so while some species are being devastated by humans for lack of reason, lack of science behind their arguments, for just crazy held beliefs, Ultimately, the real problem still comes back to overpopulation. I don't hear anybody on any side truly tackling this in any type of true political debate. Meaning, let's say tomorrow that the world actually truly did believe in carbon dioxide emissions being too high. By the way, carbon dioxide's a problem and a big problem, but you know, you're also putting out mercury and all these things that are causing enormous health consequences, not only to humans, but other species in the planet. So it's not just about global warming. You shouldn't want pollution because it's a bad thing. But even if we had tomorrow a sudden decrease in let's say 25% of emissions from fossil fuels and we move to 
cleaner energy. Do you know how much trash and transportation and all these things that every single one of us, every single human being needs? And so if we're able to cut everything miraculously by 30% as far as emissions and output, but yet we grow by a few more billion people in population, well, good luck on trying to decrease the refugee problems and having enough food in all areas of the world and for weather not getting super crazy and the health consequences and the mass extinction from slowing down. And I'm not trying to be super negative. I'm just telling you that if we want to have hope and be positive, we're going to have to actually look at the real heart of problems. You know, I travel a bit, and when I go to other cultures, and these guys in these other cultures tell me that who they are as men is really about how many children they have. So if they have, you know, 13 sons, that shows you are a powerful man. Well, you know what? That culture has to change. Or if it doesn't change, we have to expect the outcomes that result from that, which is that culture often cannot sustain itself. And then we get really mad if a president says, we don't want to take in refugees from all these places that are falling apart, whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons. What I'm saying is we are going to have to pillage the earth for resources to sustain populations that normally shouldn't grow that big in size. And the human population has artificially not been able to follow Malthusian principles because we've been working above the laws of nature, which is okay. We just have to do that with a lot of smarts and intelligence, which we're not. So what we see is places in the world where either maybe because of bad government, but let's be real. It's not always the government. Places run out of resources. And as a result, wars happen. And when wars happen, we get refugees. We get the philosophy, which is understandable if you're one of the people who is out of work, that it's more important to work at any cost above what harm it will do to the world. If destroying a pristine landscape and a few species means that you're going to be able to eat and obtain things that give you pleasure, most people are entitled enough that they feel that's okay. I mean, let's face it, when you watch television the day after Black Friday and you see a hundred people in some store in a mob fighting over a large screen television that's on sale, what do you think's really gonna happen when you truly run out of resources? I mean, what do you think the nature of human beings really is if we're able to justify fighting over something that stupid. We need less people fighting over stupid stuff. We need less people fighting over important stuff like food, energy, and other resources. Because we're entitled. That's who we are. That's what I think most mammals are, whether it's a bear fighting for its cub or human beings. And entitlement, I don't care what class you're in. I mean, rich people feel just as entitled. They want tax breaks for oil companies and all their silliness, and they're the ones able to legally bribe politicians with donations for whatever they want. And I'm telling you that three generations from now, 
Only a few intellectual people who study will know about things like ISIS and Brexit or even Star Wars. What our great-grandchildren are not going to know is Star Wars, but rather the lasting impact environmental catastrophe and mass extinction has caused. All the stuff that we have in culture is going to be just like how you and I know about 1930s culture or 1940s movies. We may know a couple, but we really are not going to remember culture. We're going to remember the lasting impact on the world. And I don't see us getting rid of our feelings of entitlement. You know, I listen, I'm in medicine. Most of you that listen to me are in medicine. And let's be real. It doesn't matter what class you are, but we see people all day long. If you're willing to give away free stuff, people love free stuff, right? I mean, whether you're giving away food, shelter, healthcare for long stretches of time, there's a huge, not just a small, a huge portion of the population willing to sit on their asses and just accept it and then want more and feel that you're not doing enough for them. There are dead rap artists that are more productive than people told they can get everything for free indefinitely. People take advantage of other people. I mean, hey, try telling your very best friends, your best buddies at the bar, they can use your tab whenever they want, just as long as they don't abuse the privilege. Yeah, check that bill a month later. I mean, listen, the experiment's been done. People don't want equality. We want capitalism, the ability to get ahead of other people. If people wanted to risk bullets and neck fractures jumping over the Berlin Wall, because just a hundred yards away is a better life, there's your sign. You remember when Russian ballets, when they were a communist country, they would visit New York and then they would leave because half of their anorexic dancers were able to squeeze through the U.S. embassy fence? It shows that capitalism, with all its major flaws and unrestricted capitalism for sure, helps people take advantage of other people. But my point is that people will die for the ability to have more consumerism and to have more stuff. And that's just who we are. Now, by the way, I just want to step back for a second and say that I'm not saying everybody that's on disability or gets free stuff doesn't deserve it. I know there are some people with real big disabilities who need our help. And there are people that can't walk or work or even, you know, be at a call center at a computer. And so... Folks with real disabilities exist. I have a buddy, by the way, who's in a wheelchair for decades who has worked crazy hours as a doctor. So some people can be very impressive, but I'm sorry. There are other people that if you eat yourself into a wheelchair, I don't owe paying you to stay in that wheelchair for the rest of your life. Just eat one-fifth of what you normally eat for a few months and you will be fine. If you eat yourself into a wheelchair, I am fine with using my tax money to get you out of it. But the stipulation is it has to be used for a two-month vacation. You get an airline ticket to a shanty town in a slum in India with twice the average spending money of any slum resident, and you will return without a disability. Now think about that. We could take a small island in a tropical place and offer somebody a beautiful beach with free Wi-Fi for two months, but the only available food to you would be vegetables and protein bars. And they would get there and they would be cured of lifetime disability. If we did that as Americans, while everybody would be absolutely outraged that we would do such a thing, you know, it's like when we say we want to remove the testicles of pedophile offenders, people are outraged that we would consider that. 
but nevertheless, that would be the logical thing. And then we could focus on the people that have real disabilities from motor vehicle accidents or cerebral palsy or, or black lung or tons of other things where real people need real help and real compassion. So I'm all for paying taxes and paying people to do jobs out of those taxes and for helping people that can't do jobs. But I'm telling you, the entitlement is crazy. And what I'm telling you the entitlement is crazy is because that's who we all are. If people can do the work for us or if we have to pillage the earth to get temporary needs, not even really needs, just wants fulfilled, that's called being a human being. Now I understand some people have evolved past that. They are more evolved humans and I just don't hold out a lot of hope that that will become the majority of human beings and I think you are living in some kind of false utopian mind if you believe that's going to be what happens in refugee camps, war zones, Texas, I don't care, pick any place. That's just not going to be where humans are at. We're entitled, we use a lot of resources, we are hurting ourselves, we are hurting the rest of the species in the planet, and until we acknowledge the nerds that are telling us the science about what's going on from an environmental standpoint, and not believe that some treaty signed in Iceland or wherever that cuts emissions theoretically by 20% is really gonna make a huge dent, and we start talking real about population, then we will be in a place where feelings have more influence than logic and we should expect to reap what we sow. All right, can't believe you made it to the end of this. This is Gil Parat. I will catch you on the next round.